Hey all, welcome back to the Real Life Pharmacology Podcast. I'm your host, pharmacist Sarah Christensen. Thank you so much for listening today. As always, go check out reallifepharmacology.com and uh, get a hold of your free top 200 study guide. Uh, we got the top 200 meds. I lay out my most important clinical practice pearls as well as things that show up on exams frequently. So uh, go take advantage of that. Simply an email will get you access to that. All right, well, let's get into the drug of the day today, and that is Etanercept. Brand name of this medication historically is Enbro, and this medication is classified as a DMARD. So that's a disease-modifying anti-rheumatic drug. So as you could imagine, this medication is probably going to be used for rheumatic type diseases. So uh, in in my practice, uh, the situation I see this medication used most for is rheumatoid arthritis, uh, followed potentially by uh, psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis. Uh, it can also be used for ankylosing spondylitis um, and a few other obscure ones as well, which I won't mention, but um, it, it can be used for a, a few different immunologic type diseases. So with that, uh, how does this medication work? So etanercept uh, is essentially a protein that's been developed and it's considered a biologic medication and it has what's called a TNF receptor linked to an IgG molecule. So what that does is that TNF receptor basically binds up the molecule TNF, which is tumor necrosis factor. Now in the body, physiologically, TNF plays a huge role in the inflammatory process, which that makes sense because we're trying to reduce inflammation in something like uh, rheumatoid arthritis, for example. So by having uh, this protein, a tanercept, bound to TNF-alpha, we can inject it and, or excuse me, to a tnf uh, receptor, we can inject it. That's going to bind up TNF within the body. So it can't uh, play as much of a role in creating uh, that excessive inflammation that can lead to some of the issues with uh, rheumatoid arthritis. So that's how that medication really provides its efficacy is by blunting uh, or reducing the effects of TNF. Uh, classification other than a DMARD, uh, it's also classified naturally as a, a TNF blocking agent. So the usages I mentioned, um, just a little info on dosing here. So it's 50 uh, milligrams every week. So it's weekly dosing. It's sub-Q uh, that can be administered on the thigh, abdomen, arm. In my experience, most will utilize the abdomen probably. And uh, patient education point, if they are self-injecting or if you're a nurse giving this medication, um, recommended to be one inch away from previous injection sites. So, uh, you know, we really don't want to kind of create that scar tissue and do it in the same site because that may impact uh, absorption over time. So uh, important uh, administration pearls there. Now, there are some boxed warnings with this medication. As you can imagine, 
if you kind of blunt the inflammatory response, uh, that also tends to have an interplay with uh, the infection prevention mechanism of the body as well. Uh, so that can affect the immune system from that aspect as well. So boxed warning for serious infections uh, ultimately could potentially lead to something as severe as sepsis. Uh, malignancy, cancer risk, has also been associated uh, with this medication as well. So that's something that we obviously want to take seriously. And if you've got a patient that's been you know, sent to the ICU with sepsis and they've been taking etanercept and they're still on it, um, that's definitely a situation where, we're, where you're going to work with a specialty or whoever prescribed that medication to figure out uh, a different option potentially. Uh, to manage their rheumatoid arthritis. So um, definitely one of the the medications I look out for and a lot of these biologic agents uh, for um, rheumatologic or immunologic diseases, uh, you got to remember that they can increase infection risk uh, and uh, malignancy and such there's box warnings for those issues. Uh, Some infections I, I wanted to mention specifically. So tuberculosis, uh, this is an important screening that should be done prior to using etanercept. Definitely seen that come up on uh, board exams and pharmacology exams throughout my career. Uh, so tubercul- latent tuberculosis screening is somewhere where patients may be asymptomatic, uh, but they may have TB in their system. And suppressing that immune system with a drug like etanercept might basically reinvigorate uh, that tuberculosis and it's going to cause symptomatic disease potentially. So uh, other side effects. So it mentioned obviously the suppressed immune system. So we got to pay attention to uh, new infections and new serious infections. Uh, Injection site reaction that can certainly happen. It's given sub Q um, itching, pain, redness, so on and so forth. So uh, pay attention to that. Uh, some GI adverse effects have been reported, things like diarrhea, for example. Uh, so those are the biggest things that I generally tend to, to look out for. On the rare side of things, there is a bunch of stuff listed. Uh, a couple of things I have seen uh, come up in, in practice where uh, basically a clinical decision has to be made is there has been some association uh, with worsening lupus. And there also has been uh, some association uh, potentially reported with worsening heart failure as well. So if you run into a patient that's having you know worsening issues with that and they're on etanercept, um, it definitely should be at least a discussion uh, with the specialist who's prescribing that medication and or the primary care team that's, that's taking care of that patient. So um, definitely a couple that I have encountered uh, in, or seen encountered in, in my practice. Uh, pharmacokinetics, uh, onset of action. So this is a really important patient education point. Uh, it can take up to two to three weeks for this medication to even start working. And for patients that have maybe been suffering from rheumatoid arthritis or they've got a really you know bad psoriasis episode, uh, this can be a long time for sure. Um, for that onset of action. And hopefully we're using potentially other medications to kind of get them through uh, that initial period. But that is a really, really important patient education point. You know, this is going to take a little while to work. And and again, that onset is usually around two to three weeks. 
uh, with the max effectiveness up to about three months. Um, so again, we've, we've got to be patient a little bit with this medication and obviously not make any knee-jerk reactions as well, where we give a dose or two uh, and then we say, hey, it's not working and we switch to a different medication or something. That's something as a clinician um, we shouldn't do or shouldn't be recommending either, uh, understanding that the onset of benefit is going to be at a minimum uh, two or three weeks away. Let's talk a little bit about monitoring parameters. Uh, so CBC periodically throughout uh, treatment is recommended. Makes sense. I think it's important to maybe pay attention, you know, to white blood cell count, things of that nature, um, where that's a, a representation of how uh, the immune system is is functioning there. And then I mentioned some of those screenings that need to be done. So I mentioned TB specifically. I don't think I mentioned hepatitis before, um, but that's recommended. HIV, an, another disease state where uh, we've got the immune system basically being suppressed by an HIV infection potentially. Um, so that screening should be uh, done as well. That's going to put them at added risk of, of issues there and, and infections and things of that nature. So uh, TB, hepatitis, HIV, uh, three big ones that we should be assessing in our patients prior to giving this medication. All right, let's take a quick break from our sponsor and we'll wrap up with drug interactions. If you're in the market for any pharmacist board certification study materials like BCPS, ambulatory care, geriatrics, BCM, TMS, or others, go check out meded101.com slash store, S-T-O-R-E. We've also got links to resources for students, uh, whether you're a pharmacy student, med student, nursing student, um, lots of different options for you to choose from, different books on Amazon, uh, helpful study tools, flashcards, uh, all sorts of good stuff there. So go check that out. It's a great way for you to support the podcast uh, and get some really cool products as well. So again, you can go find all those links, meded101.com slash store, S-T-O-R-E. All right, wrapping up with drug interactions. So etanercept being an injectable agent, a biologic agent, um, we typically aren't going to have the issue of CYP enzyme interactions when you've got a medication like that. And that is true with etanercept. Uh, probably the biggest thing that I've paid attention to in, in practice is vaccines. So again, we're talking about suppressing the immune system. Well, what do you need for robust vaccine response? You need a functioning active immune system. So if you know a patient is going to be starting etanercept, uh, we ideally want to give those vaccines at least 14 days prior to starting etanercept. Okay, definitely a very, very important point there uh, to think about. And I think most people that are prescribing etanercept recognize that. Um, but if you're, you know, maybe newer to practice or you, you know, see this this new prescription coming out, definitely a, a good question to ask and make sure the patients are. Uh, aware of that and that they should um, get some coverage there and make sure they have a, an adequate um, response to a, to a vaccine there. Uh, in addition to potentially diminished efficacy for vaccines, if you give a vaccine while they're on etanercept, we can also run the risk if we give a live vaccine of actually um, having some infection type response to that live vaccine. 
So classic examples of uh, live vaccines, uh, MMR, polio, those are a couple um, kind of common examples that, that I've seen in practice there. So um, bottom line, if you don't remember anything from this podcast, if you remember that if we're giving vaccines in a patient on Nitanercept, it's going to likely alter the effectiveness of those vaccines, and that should be addressed by the healthcare team. So definitely pay attention to that. And then the other thing I think about is immunosuppressive agents. So where we add on other medications that are going to suppress the immune system that could increase that risk for infection and malignancy. And of course, you've got drugs like uh, tacrolimus, cyclosporin, obviously corticosteroids. Um, so any drug that's going to likely suppress the immune system is going to potentially have additive effects uh, to a tannercept here. All right, well, I think that wraps up the podcast for today. Hopefully, you picked up a few practice pearls. Uh, if you'd do me a huge favor, leave a rating review on iTunes or wherever you're listening. I greatly appreciate that. It helps grow the audience and uh, obviously helps me teach uh, more folks about pharmacology. So I greatly appreciate that. If you got comments, questions, suggestions, uh, mededucation101 at gmail.com. You can track me down on LinkedIn as well, Eric Christensen, PharmD, BCPS, BCGP. And with that, uh, don't forget to support the sponsor, meded101.com slash store. And I am going to sign off for today. Take care and have a good rest of your day.